You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. And make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. This podcast is part of the series Family Matters with Doc Dino. Amen, amen. Welcome tonight, round two of Family Matters. So... More people tonight, so a lot of you weren't here last week, which is fine. Last week, we introduced family and what family means to God, what it means to us. God created family in the Garden of Eden. He's the creator. He made man and woman to be part of the family of God. Satan is the counterfeiter. He came and lied to Eve, and they got evicted. So we went from Adam to Noah, 10 generations, to Abraham, another 10 generations, to David, 13 generations, to the Babylonian exile, 13 generations, to Christ, the second Adam, 13 generations. Now, Lynn wasn't here last week, but he's our resident expert on revelations. So at some point, he can contemplate how many generations of the second coming of Christ? Right, Lynn? I'm sure you've thought about it. Okay, he's saying yes, so I'll let him ponder that. So the second Adam, Jesus, through his resurrection in the garden, the first garden there was an eviction. God ends nothing on a negative, so the second garden was a positive. And Jesus resurrected to put us into right relationship with our Father. In Greek, patirimon. In Aramaic, Abba Father. But we can come to the Father by the blood of Jesus when we appropriate that. Jesus says, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. Well, these other religions think they can. They're going to find out differently. They can't. Everything on earth became cursed. Jesus reversed the curse. So our families are engrafted into Christ. So why is there so much divorce? And we live in a Christian state for the most part, as far as I know, right? We're in the top 10 in the United States in divorce. We're number eight. 50%, 50%, I was talking to, we were talking about this yesterday, 50% of all marriages end up in divorce. Worse than that, 60 to 80% of second marriages end up in divorce. The detrimental effects of divorce on family, on the ones going through the divorce. My contention on the second marriage is, is they never resolve the issues from the first marriage. They took the bait of Satan. <laughs> I'm not going to get into forgiveness today. You went into that, Pastor, tremendously for weeks. But when you enter, when you leave one situation and enter another, you carry the baggage. And if you don't resolve it, you have unresolved issues and they surface. So what is the problem? When, When I looked online to see why do we have divorces, infidelity, financial issues, a lot of it is just hard, hardened hearts. People just give up. 50% is a big number. 
In part, I blame men. <laughs> wow. That's 50% of the problem. 50% of the problem. So I'm like, we can't, we can blame Satan for everything, but we can't blame him for everything. <laughs> Blaming Satan doesn't absolve us from our responsibility as men. We, we have to be men. We have to stand up. We have to fight for our marriages. We have to understand the unique characteristics of a woman and how we deal with them. Now, that's a challenge. I'll say, in, in our defense, I'll just say that's a challenge, okay? But you have to remember, God's word is the sole source of our faith and the absolute rule of our conduct. So if we look into the word of God, we find out how we're supposed to act. As bad as divorce is domestic violence, God did not create women to be subjected to domestic violence. But that's what's going on. 35% of females have, under, have, have been sustained to rape, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner, by somebody they knew. 20 people per minute in the United States are abused by an intimate partner in the United States. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crimes, over 10 million people a year. We can go on and for an hour talk about the statistics. Just to give you a picture, if we don't have divorce, if we don't have divorce then we have domestic violence. All of it's ungodly. None of it is, our God, is of God. All people need to identify with Jesus Christ to overcome that. All marriages need Jesus Christ. And marriage is not founded in Jesus, is in jeopardy today. So I'm going to give a little um, rendition, my own rendition on Genesis a little bit. So God created light and said, I can do better. And so he made the world. And then he said, I can do better. And he made the animals. And then he said, I can do better, and he made man. And then he said, I can do better, and so he made woman. And then he rested because he could do no better. <laughs> Women, you are all unique and individually created by God and loved by him. In personality, character, looks, you are all exceedingly attracted to men. And when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Right, right Andrea? Right. <laughs> I think I've said that to her. <laughs> we need to say that to our wives more often than what we do. And that's part of what we're going to be talking about. Men are not from Mars and, Venus, and women are not from Venus. We're from, we're descendants we're created from God and we're descendants of Adam and Eve. And that is the truth. We do have differences on who we are. We're gonna talk about that. The uniqueness of a woman is her femininity, which is, is a strength to her. 
She says masculinity is a strength to us. We have characteristics that complement each other. A woman is to complete us as men, not to compete against us as men. A woman is the completion of man, not the competition of man. God made Adam with feminine and masculine traits. When he took the rib out of Adam and made Eve, he took out the femininity. And when we marry, that comes together again. And that's why we're one spirit and one flesh. If we're one spirit and one f flesh, if you hurt your spouse, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You may be justified in what you're doing. I'm not judging any of that, but when you get into these conflicts, and, they get, and the, the end of those conflicts unresolved over and over again end up being divorce, you're hurting yourself. Somebody going through a divorce may be justified, but they're hurt as much as the person they're divorcing. It's so often it's men, either fathers, brothers, relatives, ex-boyfriends, spouses that damage women. And their unique spirits are, are, are changed or perverted in some way. They've been robbed, hurt, limited in their womanhood. This leads to abnormal behavior patterns, leads to impaired relationships, which last until Jesus heals them. And all, any woman's been damaged by any man needs healing by Jesus Christ to make them whole again. New construction is easier than reconstruction. A woman born in Christ is newly constructed. That's easier than going and trying to help somebody that's been so damaged. But with God, nothing is impossible. Every woman needs love and worth to satisfy her sense of her individual uniqueness. And they need that from a man. They need it from us. If her only worth is in the fem femininity of her body and not as a person, tragedy can strike. She needs to have worth from her relationship with her man. And how does that happen? Well, we talked about it's up there now. Proverbs 18, 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. We need, in word, gesture, and spirit, tell our wives that. We need to communicate that. And three ways of communication is word, gesture, and spirit. They know our attitudes. They pick up on our attitudes more than we pick up on theirs. <laughs> that much I do now from experience. <laughs> so when we don't express our love to our wives, we have a fractured relationship by default. Now before the marriage, there's courtship. That's something we seem to enjoy as men. 
So we court our wives, we make them feel special, that they're the only ones. They're that unique to us. We only want, I only want you, nobody else. And they feel that way. And they marry us. Then what happens? <laughs> if that courtship stops, communication stops, intimacy stops, it, the marriage starts dying. When we find a wife, we find a good thing, we need to treat her like that. Okay, you need, we need to tell our wives, you are God's gift to me. I just don't tell Andrea that. I tell my patients that. <laughs> they ask me about my, my marriage. Andrea is God's gift to me. How often do you tell your wives you love them? How often do you tell them how great they look or what they're wearing? How often do you take time to converse? That's good enough. Women, t women talk in fine print. <laughs> hey, we talk in headlines. <laughs> like, you know, in men's ministry, you know, we, the characters of the kingdom emanate from the king. Jesus in the kingdom of God, the CEO of a company, the, the husband and the family, and the pastor in a church. Everybody gets it. That's the end. <laughs> if you talk that one's ministry, you talk about a half an hour. That's <laughs> preaching. <laughs> Faithfulness is the cornerstone of character. Well, we get it. <laughs> A woman says, what do you mean? <laughs> Maturity does not come with age, but begins with the acceptance of responsibility. So they'll go into, we need to be more responsible about things, <laughs> and go on and on about that. <coughs> Tuesday's my busy day. I won't care, I'm on. I come home usually a little bit later, walk in the door. I'm pretty well exhausted. I've been on EMR all day, patients all day. How's your day? Okay. <laughs> Everything okay? Yep. Did Dave get out on time? He usually has some place to go. I don't know. <laughs> Why are you so moody? <laughs> what? Why do you always say what? <laughs> so we're at the point where with that conversation, the old me would have said, why are you nagging? And she said, I'm not nagging. I'm just asking you questions. Fine. Don't talk to me, right? And if I didn't say that, if I don't start responding right, she's going to say, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you talking to me? And we can lead into more conflict because we don't understand. So I, start, I started realizing Andrea's not nagging me. She's talking in fine print. And I let her. <laughs> I give her permission to do that. And I don't let it bother me. Gestures. Well, 
It's easy to give flowers to your wife when she's mad at you <laughs> because you want peace at home. So we get our flowers, we get flowers for our wives. And if you're still mad, you keep on buying our flowers. <laughs> That's my advice. Keep on going. <laughs> Let's see how many days we can go before. I came home one day and the flowers are gone and Andrew's, and I said to Andrew, you throw those out? And she laughed and said, that would have been funny. <laughs> but how about giving them flowers when they're not mad? How about that? How about getting them little gifts when they're not expecting that? How about doing things for them to show their worth to you, preserving your marriage. Because they are about relationships. We're not like that. We have to think to do it. <laughs> We're into our jobs. A biblical understanding of men and women reveal that we derive our satisfaction from different sources. We go to Genesis chapter 1. Get to that, 126. So I actually read this last week. And then God said, let us make man our own image according to the likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps the earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and that's how we have family. But he gave him dominion, okay? So when he gave him dominion, he gave him stewardship over the earth. And unfortunately, Satan, uh, or unfortunately, Satan deceived Eve. There was the fall. And he gave up a lot of that stewardship, but he, it's still in him to be stewards over the earth and the animals and the cattle and to oversee the reproductive process on earth by which everything would be replenished after its kind. So a man's uniqueness, as opposed to a female's, is basically satisfies relationship to his job. He, we're job-oriented. <laughs> okay. The farmer gets satisfaction with the harvest. The salesman gets satisfaction by the sales and the satisfied customer. Pastor gets satisfied after the altar call when they give their hearts to Christ. Women's primary satisfaction is relationship. So we're so job-oriented, they see us as job-oriented and want to know why, <laughs> but God made us that way. And women are relationship-oriented. Pressures on the job can create problems at home because we're so job-oriented. It can take time away from home. Women want time. They want to be in relationship with us. They don't want just quality time. They want quantity time. And we're focused on job. We're driven to focus on job, okay? 
When a man loses his job, it's crushing to him. Women may say, well, just get another job. But he just lost his identity and who he is. That's put in him by God. The corollary is the woman, the women who are in relationship with kids become an empty nest, kids leave. That affects a woman different than a man because they're in a tighter relationship with the kids in a different way. When the parents are sick or a parent dies, it's devastating for a woman. And if a woman goes through a divorce, it's, it's a killer because of that lost relationship. The only solution for a woman to battle her relationships and her, her self-image in those relationships is Jesus Christ. When they're in, when they, when they try to please God instead of people, they feel better about themselves and about their relationships. When their value in relationships is only coming from the people they're with, they will always disappoint. They will always disappoint. But when they have satisfaction from their relationship with God, they are in a much better place to deal with their relationships. So woman, remember that the enemy of your soul is Satan. And what he wants to tell you and will tell you all the time because of your insecurities, uh, bad relationships, difficult relationships, is God doesn't love you. That's your battle. If you can convince a woman that God loves her, it means more to a woman than it does to a man because a woman is more relationship-oriented. And when that happens, nothing can stop a woman from achieving her destiny. That's the strength and uniqueness of a woman. Let's turn to Psalm 120, 120 139. Uh, verses 16 through 18. God knows everything about you, every single thing about you. He made you specific the way you are. He loves you just the way you are. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet they were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I, when I awake, I am still with you. God is with every single one of you all the time, just the way he created you. He doesn't make mistakes. And the more you grasp that, the better woman you will be. The trouble with men, and then in he, uh, one other verse I want to share was Hebrews uh, 13, 8. He doesn't change, so he's not going to, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So whatever he thought about you when he formed you, it's not going to change. 
He doesn't change his mind about you. You don't underperform. We're not in a performance race with God. He loves you no matter what. He is love. It doesn't matter what you do. He's going to love you no matter what. You can't fail him. When you say, I'm sorry, it's gone. <laughs> he remembers you when he formed you, and he loves you the same. The trouble with men in relationship with women is we sometimes treat them as men. We sometimes talk to them as if they're a man, not a woman. They're fine detailed. We're not. We're matter of fact. We're kind of coarse with each other. We came from dust. We like dirt. <laughs> we work in ditches. <laughs> we dig. Ooh, a woman would say, what are they, why are they so dirty? Well, we came from dust. Doesn't bother us. The woman came from the ribs. She came from clean flesh. She doesn't like any of that stuff. It's kind of interesting how God's got the balance of life. Woman came from man, and since then, men come from woman. <laughs> how the balance of life has just come around. We just go in like full circle. Men, you were created to be the glory of God. And women were created to be the glory of man. A woman cannot be the glory of man unless that man becomes the glory of God. Men need to become the glory of God so the woman will be their glory. We are stewards of our wives' love. We don't own our wives. Our wives are on loan from us, from God. They're gifts from God. So we are accountable to God how we treat our wives. When love is missing, so is affection and intimacy. God is love. He wants us to love our wives. When we don't show that love. We are being disobedient to the Lord. <laughs> For both men and women, for a marriage to survive and be fruitful and to really be successful, they need, we need to walk in purity. We need to stay away from sin. We need to reach our promised land. In uh, Christian Men's Network, we talk about the five sins that keep men and applies to women from maximizing our lives and entering our promised land. Lust, idolatry, fornication, tempting Christ, and murmuring. Tempting Christ is doing something contrary to the Word of God and expect to get blessed. Murmuring is complaining, gossiping, slander, nagging, criticizing. 1 Corinthians 10.6 It's the five things that kept the Israelites from entering the Promised Land. They were there for our example. Lust is satisfying self at the expense of others. It is perverted love, which is satisfying others at the expense of self. God is love. Satan is love. Satan's kingdom is lust. There's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
in 1 John 2.16. The world's ozone layer is full of lust. That's all we're getting in this world. Everybody wants to know what they can get, not what they can give. Sex sins is perverted sex. God made sex. Satan didn't make sex. Sex is a gift from God as a sign of the covenant of marriage. The way circumcision is the sign of the covenant with Abraham, and baptism is a sign of the covenant with us in Jesus Christ. Sex is, sex is a sign of the covenant of marriage. It comes out of intimacy, not of lust. So it's important for men and women, both of us, to identify with Jesus. It's as, as important with a woman as it is for a man. The more Christ-like a woman and man are, the more success their marriage can have. Femininity is as strong as masculinity. Three main problems with marriage, and we're not going to get into all this tonight, but we'll extend it over till next week is sex, communication, and money. Three main areas. So with men, God put it in us to replenish your earth to have the desire for sex so we can do that. And receiving sex feeds and satisfies our ego. The power of sex is with the woman. That's part of her uniqueness. We want it, they don't want to give it, we don't get it. <laughs> the, more do- the more dominating a man is, the more he fails in the bedroom. Because if the woman can't control anything out of the bedroom, the only thing she can control is the bedroom, she says no. <laughs> Sex doesn't create intimacy. Intimacy creates sex in the eyes of God, and that's what's important. Love is satisfying. Lust is insatiable. To force your wife or any female to engage in any sex she's opposed to is not love. It's lust, and it's sin. Sin always promises to serve and please, but only desire but only desires to enslave and dominate. Lust does not set you free. Love does. Lust leads to domestic abuse. We talked about that. These issues also involve drugs, alcohol, and all the negative things in the kingdom of God. But love is satisfying. Lust is insatiable. It's counterfeit love. Let's talk about a real touchy subject next. (laughs) You can always email me. (laughs) (laughs) If that was touchy, it wasn't. (laughs) Let's put up uh, Ephesians 5, 22 to 25. (laughs) 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, and also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Women are not to usurp the authority of a man. It, I'm not, when, and I'm not saying that in a dictatorial way. We're going to get into what that really means. So nobody hates me tonight. <laughs> there is a Jezebel spirit in this world. In socially and politically. And that's the dominated, wicking, wicked, cunning, manipulative spirit of a woman that tries to control man. That's not of God. Jezebel was uh, King Ahab's wife. And I just refer to the first Kings chapter 16 to read about what she did. <laughs> Submission is not a dirty word. Okay? Submission is God's plan for restoration. It's meant to liberate, not to put it to bondage. But the world perverts it. And it's not for God's purposes. Submission is God's method of revealing his transcendent glory and for us to trust him. John, in, in Genesis 3.16, This is what the Lord said to Eve. Because you have done this, you are cursed. Well, this is what he said to, um, hold on, 316, to the woman. After he spoke to Satan in the garden, the, Lo the Lord said to Eve, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. You shall desire, your desire shall be for your husband. That's where relationship comes in, right from the beginning, from the garden and he shall rule over you. And that's what God's word says. That was in the Old Testament. That was the Old Covenant. Submission in the Old Testament was involuntary. It was ruled over the woman. But the last Adam came to set us free to get rid of the curse. <laughs> Jesus came to redeem us from the curse of sin and resort and restore God's original purpose, which is that man and woman are to be joint heirs. That's God's plan. We don't live in Genesis anymore. We live on this side of the cross. So today, Submission is a voluntary expression of faith, an act of faith. It's trusting God. When you submit to one another, you may not agree, but you trust God for the outcome, and it's godly. Jesus was the ultimate expression of submission. He didn't want to go to the cross. In the garden, he said, Abba, Father, if there's any way out to take this cup away from me, 
The father told him no, and he went to the cross. All his prayers were answered because he was submissive. The only way to live a resurrected life is to die to self and to serve one another. Go to Ephesians 5.21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. We as men are to be leaders, not dictators. We're supposed to show leadership at home and not be dictators. We're to submit to one another. Yes, we are the heads. Yes, we're supposed to have the final say because we are ahead. If you turn to Ephesians 5.25, husbands, okay, so Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her. So it's supposed to be done in a loving way. We're the head of the family the way we are the head of the family and the head of our wives the way Christ is head of us. That's the divine order. When we're out of divine order, God doesn't bless it. We need to be in divine order. However, submission to God takes precedence over anything we're asked to do. Submission to God takes precedent over anything we're asked to do. We are not to do anything contrary to God's word. Anything contrary to, or not consistent with the characteristics of a God, we have a right and an obligation to refuse. We are not to allow physical or sexual abuse. We are not to submit to sin. That's not submitting, that's being subjugated. <laughs> and there's a difference. It takes a woman with a strong spirit and a strong, char and strong, char and strong character to submit in a godly way to her husband. It's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength because then she trusts God. And it takes a strong man and a godly man to know how to deal with that. I wish it wasn't so. I have a really strong woman married to. I, it would be great if I could just get rid of my responsibility as head of the house. <laughs> It'd be easier. <laughs> I just go to work, come home, and whatever decisions are made, they're made. That's not the way God made it. He wants us to be leaders in the home. It doesn't mean we rule. It means we lead. There's a difference. Having faith in God and trusting him with our life enables us to mutually submit to one another and all things work out for good. Christ is our example. We're going to wrap up. I have a, just one, one, or two, one of the things I want to say regarding relationships. It's up to you all to make them work. 
I'm not here to tell you what's right or what's wrong in any disagreements you have. But as a warning, because I've seen as a physician so many divorced couples in this state. Don't hurt your spouse. <laughs> Don't injure your spouse in decisions you're making and what you're doing. It's not worth it. There are times where, where spouses get hurt, men or women, and then something happens and it just sort of breaks the camel's back. <laughs> and you find out they're going through a divorce. And you don't know why, nobody knows why, except they've just had enough. And they were hurt. Broken spirits is not what we want. You want to elevate your spouse's spirit. And, when, and if you do hurt them, you're hurting yourself because you're one spirit, one flesh. So we need to walk in unity and ask God for wisdom and it's God to bless us. So I'm going to just pray. Carrie's here too. She's going to play something. She's gonna... I'm going to just pray uh, the words of the blessing over all of us. So... First of all, is there anybody here who isn't right with God? Because if you're not right with God, your marriage is not going to be right. Is there anybody here that we can pray over? And if not, you, you need to get right with God. Because if you're not right with Him, your marriage is not going to work. There's going to be pitfalls. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. And God bless all of you and all your marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups.